Let's take our Bibles, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> we will pray to begin rather than read the text first. Matthew 28 and verse number 16 is where we'll, we'll start. All right, let's pray together. Our Lord in heaven, thank you for uh, your blessings. Thank you for our church and each person that's here, each person that is listening, each person that would be here if they had the ability. And I pray especially for, uh, for your blessing and grace upon Brother Muxlow and upon uh, as he recovers from this surgery and that you'd give him a complete healing and for Sister Mark and for uh, Sister Judy as well. Lord, please give these people grace. Lord, these are your children, your brother, your, your sons, your daughters. Lord, they need your help. Lord, would you please strengthen them? Would you please give them patience, but then also relieve their affliction and uh, others, Lord. We pray that you would bless and keep those who are carrying babies, who, um, who are waiting for that, that day of delivery. We pray that you give, especially Renata, grace and and uh, protection for her as well as for the, uh, the baby she carries, Lord, that there would be a safe and healthy delivery. And you would bless Sharon, and uh, she carries the baby as well. And Lord, others that are uh, unwell and others that uh, are traveling or with family and such, we pray that you'd just give grace. And Lord, for us here, as we look into your word, we need your help. Lord, we pray that you would guide us and you would teach us from your word to know your will and to be willing to do it. Uh, and to uh, desire uh, to serve you and to represent you well in Greenville. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 28, verse number 16 is where we will begin. <clears throat> now, let me ask you a question before we begin. From what place did the Lord ascend back to heaven? Yes, sir. The Mount of Olives, which is where? Don't say earth. <laughs> Although that would be correct. Correct. It's the Mount of Olives is on the eastern side of Jerusalem. Exactly. It's very close to Jerusalem. You've seen pictures often. A lot of the, the kind of iconic picture of the Dome of the Rock, which is the mosque that sits on top of uh, uh, where the Temple Mount is, where Solomon's Temple used to be, that usually the picture of that, of that mosque is taken from the Mount of Olives. Um, but correct, so the Lord ascended from the Mount of Olives. All right, so you have to, get, you have to understand that if you're, we're going to understand the context of these verses I wanted you to read. In Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 16, the Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee. Now, where is Galilee? Come on now. North. North. It's near the Sea of Galilee, so it's, it's not close to Jerusalem. It's pretty far away. It says, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore 
and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. There's a mention of the Trinity there, just, just as, as we pass by that. Teaching them, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. All right, so where does this take place? This, uh, this meeting of the, one of the accounts of the Great Commission, where does it take place? Not a trick question. In, the sea of, in Galilee, not the Sea of Galilee, but on a mountain in Galilee, the Lord had appointed them. So this was not, this took place, of course, after the Lord's resurrection, but this was not immediately preceding Jesus' ascension. Okay, that's important. Okay, let's look at Mark chapter number 16. Mark 16. Verse number 14. Mark 16, verse 14 says this, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. You know, the Lord will not upbraid us for going to Him in our distress, but He will upbraid us for not going to Him in our distress because of our unbelief. Right? Verse, uh, middle of verse 14, because they believed not them which had seen Him after He was risen. Verse 15, and He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's interesting that those who want to claim to, to one or two of these signs don't like the others. You know, they're not as uh, hasty to claim those other signs like drinking poison. Uh, not, that I'm, not that I'm suggesting they do that, but uh, it is interesting. Occasionally you'll have a church that'll do snake handling, but um, all right, verse 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. All right? Now, where this takes place in Matthew in Mark 16 is, is not exactly clear. It doesn't exactly clear. It says they were sitting at meat, so maybe you could you could maybe uh, uh, you could you could uh, deduce that maybe they're in one of the other the places that where the Lord appeared to the disciples after the resurrection that's mentioned in another gospel, uh, perhaps in Luke, but. Uh, but we don't know for sure. But the point being is that once again, the Lord says something essentially the same as He said in Galilee. I think you could probably safely assume that this is probably in Jerusalem, although I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be firm on that. But He does say essentially the same thing. In verse number uh, 15, He says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 24. 
All right, Luke 24. One of, I guess one of my favorite parts of the Gospels is the story, the narrative of the Lord's uh, conversation with these two men on the road to Emmaus. And in this conversation, at the end of the conversation, um, of course, Jesus parts ways and then they go back to their people and to the church. And, uh, and then Jesus shows up right in their midst in verse number 36. And in verse number 46, as he's, as he's talking to them, this is now, this is not in Galilee, all right? This is in Jerusalem. Because remember, the road to Emmaus, Emmaus was a village that was nearby to Jerusalem, all right? So after the, he met with the, the disciples, he saw them and they ate together. Then he left and the disciples immediately returned to Jerusalem, back to where the believers were gathered together and told them what had happened. And that's mentioned in Mark, where, right before what we just read a minute ago. And so this is definitely in Jerusalem, but so it's not in Galilee. It's not on top of a mountain. It's in a, it's in a, in a house, okay? And then in verse 46, he says, and, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. That's the gospel, right? And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Okay, so they're, they're, in, this, they're in this house, this room, if you will. Jesus comes in and he talks to him and shows him his hands and feet. You have Doubting Thomas and that, that kind of thing there. And, and, then, uh, and then he tells them what is the third account of the Great Commission. And then in verse 50, he says, And he led them out as far as to Bethany. Bethany is, was nearby to the Mount of Olives. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were constantly, continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So notice this mentions his ascension, but this account in verse number, uh, verse 46 and 47 does not occur on the Mount of Olives. It does not occur in Galilee, but it is in Jerusalem. Okay, now let's go on to the book of Acts. Now there is one passage in John chapter 20 that some people like to cite as one of the accounts of the Great Commission. I don't think it is. Uh, maybe one day we'll look at that, but I don't think we need to tonight. I might change my mind, subject to change. Acts chapter 1, please. Acts chapter 1 and verse... Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them, Jesus commanded them, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Now that was mentioned in Luke, the promise of the Father. Which, saith he, have heard of me? For John truly baptized with water, 
but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So it's a, the promise of the Father is a reference to the coming of the Holy Spirit, which would empower them for this commission. All right? The Holy Spirit's coming and indwelling the believers was the source of power for this commission that He's giving them, this, this command, this job, this task, okay? Verse 6, And when they were therefore come together, they asked, him, say, asked of Him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Got to read 10 and 11. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So this is the fourth uh, account of what we call the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission, uh, the word commission is simply, it's a, it's a, it's a duty to perform. It's a command. It's a command. A commission is not a... A commission is not something that is optional. It is a command. Now, this commission is the commission that the Lord gave. Think about the timing. The Lord gave this just prior to His ascension. So, essentially, this commission that we read four different times, and the Lord tells it in four different instances, these aren't, a lot of times in the Gospels, you have information that overlaps, right? Where you have... Uh, you'll have different accounts of the same event. That's not what we're reading here. We're reading of four different accounts, four different narratives of what is essentially the same commission. The Lord tells the disciples four different times, okay? And in this commission, the Lord, this is, if I could say it like this, this is His final command. He's about to leave for 2,000 years and counting. Right? They don't know that. Of course, they don't know that we just read times and seasons. But the Lord knows He's about to leave for 2,000 years. And this is, this is His marching order. For instance, in verse 7, look what it says. They ask Him about the times, and He says, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons, but ye shall receive power. Right? So He's saying, he's saying essentially, I'm leaving you have no idea. I'm not telling you when I'm coming back. I'm not telling you the timing of anything. But until then, I'm reading between the lines a little bit. But until then, this is the job that you have to do. This is the job you have to do. Now, Jesus, our Lord, is speaking to all 11 disciples. So he's speaking to them. And I'll get into this a little bit later. But this is not intended, this command, this commission that is four different times, is not intended for the 11 disciples to fulfill themselves only. All right? It has broader, uh, it touches, it reaches further than just the 11 disciples. But what the Lord describes here in His final word, this is His parting command. 
All right, this is this is the the equivalent of you know your your mother or father is on their deathbed, and this is the final things they have to say to you. You know, I, th- I heard of uh, how many of you have heard of Frank Garlock? Frank Garlock, the music the musician, wrote a lot of songs and things, well known for his music. And I, I saw a video, and they were his family was taking a video of him. He he passed away just recently, and in the video they asked him, his daughter asked him what were his final, what, what would he say? You know, he knew he was dying, and, and so they asked him what he would say. And what he said is, in essence, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. And, and for that family and for everyone that watched that, you know, that, that was, his, that was the, the one-sentence summary of everything that was important, you know, to him. So the Lord's going away, and he's leaving his church his church, with a job to do. He's leaving his church with a job to do. Now, let me ask you a few questions just to get you, your mind thinking. What is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? You know, some people, you know, they have catechisms and they have, you know, confessions of faith and they try to describe what is the purpose. The, what is the chief end of man, you know, the Westminster Confession and, what, what does it say? Somebody knows. I'm sure somebody knows. Yeah, do it. Yeah, glorify God, enjoy it. That would be a statement of purpose for, for mankind. But what is the purpose of the church? And there's, there's things you could, say, you could say maybe the church's purpose is to glorify God and, or the church's purpose, purpose is for God's, to, to give God pleasure. You could say the church's purpose is to save souls or to equip the saints. You know, those are different aspects of, you know, the same question, the same answer. But what does a purpose matter if there's no job? You can have a purpose all day long. You can have this kind of ambiguous sort of, sort of a goal. Glorify God. Take that, for instance. Glorify God, all right? Does God want us to glorify Him? Kind of give me a nod. God wants us to glorify Him. Yes. How do you do that? How do you do that? You see, the Great Commission... In the, in the scripture, the Lord gives us as his parting command. And he says, look, church, I'm leaving and you don't know how long I'm going to be gone. And until I'm gone, I have a job, not a purpose, but a task. Right. And so I say it like this. The Great Commission describes what should be the primary enterprise and undertaking of the church in the world. To put it another way, this is why the church is here. This is why the church is here. This is the ultimate goal. And if it wasn't here, and and it is the goal, it is the goal of the church as it relates to the church's relationship to the world. Now, inwardly, of course, we don't, we're not preaching the gospel to each other, I mean, except as a reminder and a memorial and those things, but, but inwardly, you know, we're trying to equip the saints. But what's the question? What is the ultimate goal of equipping the saints and strengthening and edifying one another? What's the, per- what's the ultimate goal of preaching and teaching and, and uh, strengthening and supporting one another? What's that goal? Is that goal just so I'm strengthened? What's the goal of perfecting the saints? Is there something beyond that or is, it, or is it just that we're, you know, we're good and strong? No, no. It goes out. It spills over. That's the thing. It spills over. See, the Great Commission 
is the reason that the church is here in this world. The Lord put us, put, put the church of God, He put us in this world in the midst of a dark place to shine as a light, to affect them. He did not put us here only for ourselves and for our own strengthening and for our own comfort and edification, although we enjoy all of those things. He put us here to have an effect upon others outside of here because, because He loves them and He wants them to know Him and He has chosen His church to do that task. The Great Commission is the central purpose and occupation of the church and the reason for its continued existence. God Hear, hear me now. God intends His church to be the sole witnesses to His name until the end of this time, until He comes. God intends His church. What am I saying? I'm, when I, 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 I want to I make sure I'm really clear. When I say His church, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about me, Adam Wood, and I'm talking about you. That's the church. We are the church. It's not this, you know, kind of ambiguous group over here. It's No, that's us, us individually. He intends his church to be the sole witnesses to his name until the, end of the, until the Lord comes. So let me ask you a question. If we don't witness, and if we don't tell other people about Jesus, who will? Is there any other person or group that's appointed to do that? I'm not talking about Choice Hills Baptist Church. I'm not talking about independent Baptist church or Baptist churches in general. I'm talking about outside of the church of the living God, is there any other witness that God has appointed to bear witness of the gospel so others could be saved? No, we are it. And not only are we it, we have been appointed, we have been commissioned and commanded to do that. And here's the thing. This is why we exist. This is the activity, the, 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 the task the Lord has left His church on earth to perform. You know what? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Why? Have you ever been in a place where you had nothing to do? I mean, you might like that once in a while, you know, when you've been working a lot and you want to take a day off and you just want to sit, sit down and maybe read a book or something like that. You just don't want any responsibility. You just want your mind to just kind of, you know, put in neutral and just, you know. But if you had to do that every day, that would be harmful. You know why? Because you have no purpose. You have no task, no role, no job. You have nothing that gives you purpose, nothing that makes your life significant. But the church has something. And not only that, if we don't fulfill the Great Commission, if we do not fulfill this task, if we do not engage in this task that God has given us to do, then just like a, like a, a Navy ship, you know, after World War II, all those ships that the U.S. economy had, had uh put into service, all of a sudden we're not needed. You know what they did? They just docked them somewhere and then they became useless. Why? Because they weren't fulfilling their purpose. Their purpose was war. And when there was no war, 
They degraded. And so the church, its purpose is the Great Commission. And if we don't do that, if we're not engaged in that, here's the thing we have to understand, that it's harmful to us. It's harmful to us as a church, and it's harmful to us as individuals. Did you know that, and I know, listen, I say in here, I'm not ignorant that some people in here have a really hard time witnessing, have a really hard time giving out a gospel tract. They feel very awkward and, and they, they just, they're afraid, they don't know what to say. I'm not, I'm not ignorant of that. I'm, I'm well aware of that. But as, a, as an individual believer, if you do not share the gospel, it will begin to hurt you. It will begin to hurt you. And as a church, if we do not share the gospel, our, our church will begin, and I, I'm not casting stones. I think our church is doing great. But if we do not share the gospel and we're not engaged in this task that is our, our purpose and our, our mission, then we'll, we'll start to turn inward. And that's not good. That's not good. Not inward in a good way, caring for one another, but we'll start to care less about everyone out there and then we'll start to have issues inside because it's not healthy. It's not good. There has to be a mission that we, just like, just like I said on Wednesday, we serve God together. When we have an opportunity, we serve God together and that camaraderie and that, uh, that, that service together helps us all together as a church. And besides all of that, this is, our, this is God's purpose for us. Now, let's look at a couple places in Acts chapter... Well, you're already in Acts 1. Look at Acts 1. Now, I want to ask this question. We read the four accounts of the Great Commission. We'll go through them a little bit later, but, uh, and, and what those uh, specific aspects of the Great Commission are that the Lord gave and what He expects us to do and when and how and why and all those things. But the question I want to pose is this. What did the early church understand as their primary activity, their primary enterprise? What did the early church understand? Because we have that in the book of Acts. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he had, through the Holy Ghost, given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. What commandments is he talking about? Post-resurrection commandments? That's talking about the Great Commission. See, the writer here, Luke, he says, the Lord, before he ascended, he, said, he gathered the apostles together and he said, these are my final commands. All right, go a little bit further. Go to Acts chapter 10. Verse number 42. This is Peter speaking. Verse 40, uh, just starting verse 40, it says, Him God 
raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to, to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Now you're getting the context, post-resurrection. Now this is years later, Peter's talking. Peter's describing what Jesus did after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. You know what Peter's talking about? He says, Jesus commanded us to do this. What did Peter understand to be the purpose and, and primary enterprise of the church? Why did Peter understand that the church was there? To preach. To preach. That was the purpose. And Peter saw that. Now, <clears throat> now, as we think about the Great Commission, we remember the Great Commission is, maybe we can go into this later, but the Great Commission is a, what we might call, in the military, anybody know what a general order is? What's a general order? I think we only have, I know Brother Vernon probably knows what it is because the general orders. Huh? Exactly. A general order is an order that applies to everyone at all times. And it is very broad, right? It's not specific. It doesn't tell you all the details of how and why and all this stuff. It, but, it, but it's a very broad and it shows commander's intent, right? It shows what the commander expects in a general way for you to do. This is what the Great Commission is. So in the Great Commission, you have a general order and, and the Lord just says, Go everywhere and preach, basically. <laughs> go everywhere and preach. Now, that's pretty broad. And he basically says, go everywhere, preach to everybody until the end of time. Right? Is that, is that a good, pretty good summary? Go everywhere, preach to everybody until the end of time. Well, that's pretty broad. That doesn't really show us how to do it. But what you have in the how is the book of Acts. Because Peter recognized what Jesus said to do. And in the book of Acts, you know what they did? They did it. And they figured it out as they went. And we have that as an example of how to actually perform the Great Commission. And really, the book of Acts, just as a general rule, the book of Acts, along with the epistles, is kind of our guidebook for evangelism. That's how we determine what kind of evangelism we do and don't do. But as I said, the Great Commission is very broad. It's very general. But here's the point. Jesus gave the Great Commission to basically 11 men but it was intended for all of us beyond them. And I'll, I'll show that to you at, at a later time. And he expects the Great Commission to be obeyed and accomplished by groups of believers in local places all over the world, like Choice Hills Baptist Church. God's Church, or let me, let me say it like this, the Great Commission, in the Great Commission, the local church, this local church is God's chosen vehicle to accomplish this command every day, right? So the Lord takes something, as I said to Sister McLean, the Lord takes something that's high and general and nonspecific and he brings it right down to where we live. Here's the thing. 
as I was reading the Great Commission accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts, you were probably thinking that the Great Commission, the accounts that I was reading, that I was going to preach a message on missions. Let me go back to Acts. I'm sorry, go back to Matthew, not Acts. And we'll finish up with this. Matthew 28, verse 19, that we just read. Of course, we get, we get so stuck. We get so stuck in you, you, hearing certain verses in certain contexts. And of course, this is a verse you always hear. Every missions conference, somebody's going to be talking about this verse. And that's fine. It's a perfectly fine verse for missions. It's, you know, it's talking about missions and teaching all nations. And we think, you know, that's missions, right? Go to, go to India and go to Cambodia and go to, you know, the Rwanda. It's actually pronounced Rwanda. Uh, Rwandan told me. But go to these kind of places. And, but if we look at verse number 19, look at what it says. Go ye therefore... And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now stop here. Why do we baptize people that trust in Christ? This verse. Right? Why do we baptize people that trust in Christ? What is the mandate? What is the command? Why do we do it? We do it. We don't just do it because, oh, it'd be cool to do what Jesus did. <laughs> no. He commanded us to do it. Right here. So we have that. I saw a family member's uh, post. They're going to a, uh, an, a different kind of church. Put it that way. And I saw their, their church building look similar to ours, but it didn't have one of those. And that's fine. It's not a sin not to have a baptistry in the building. But my point is, is that why do we have that? There's the light's not on. But <laughs> why do we have that? We have that because of this verse number 19. All right, so we baptize people. The mandate for baptism is in verse 19. And that's at Choice Hills Baptist Church, right? All right. Why do we, when someone gets saved and then they get baptized, why do we teach them? Why do we help them along in their, and, and, and have what we might call discipleship and help them to grow in their faith? Why do we have it? Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things. Here's the thing. This isn't missions. This is our church's job, right? This is our church's duty and work. This is for us. So really, missions and what our church are, is doing and should be doing, according to the Great Commission, is one and the same. It's not different. What the missionaries do and what we do should be the same. It's one commission. So we, we shouldn't compartmentalize and say, well, this is missions and this is what our church does. No, our church does this thing and this is the mandate for what we do just as this is the mandate for the missionary. It's no different. So it is an error to think, 
well, you know, we support missionaries, so we got the Great Commission checked off. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's part of it because of the all nations part. But really, you can't, if you want to go to all nations, you have to start where you are. Right? That's why Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, you start here, Greenville. This is our mandate. So I'll just say this and we'll be finished. The, for Choice Hills Baptist, I've said all that to say this. For Choice Hills Baptist Church, our job is what is written in these four sections of Scripture that we have read. This is our task, our purpose, our enterprise. This is why we are here in this world. All of us should be engaged in some capacity in that work. All of us. Not all of us are equipped to, to do every part of it. At one point, our family were called to be missionaries to share the gospel in a different place. That was what God equipped us to do. And while we were over there, we were not able to be witnesses and follow the, these verses in Greenville. That was your job. That was why you were here. But the idea that a Christian, and I'm including myself, can not be engaged in the Great Commission and be obeying the Lord is not possible. Every Christian should be in some way, somehow, engaged in this work. It is for us all. Now, as I said, I know that that's not easy for some people, and it's easier for some than others. For people like Pastor Stewart, and we've had many discussions about this, about how he's, a, he's, he's a, an outgoing people person, and I'm the very opposite. And so he might find it more, more easy to talk to the waiter at the restaurant about Jesus and hand him a track than I would. And he probably does. But see, that doesn't affect what this says, right? We all have a responsibility. So let me ask you a question. Are you engaged in this commission? Are you in some way taking part in it? Now, I know that sometimes we don't, we don't feel a great burden for people that aren't saved. I know that sometimes we, frankly, don't care. We don't think about their eternity. It doesn't come into our mind. We just don't care. I'm just being honest with you, right? We just do our, do our thing every day. We go to our, our job. We with our family, we do our duties, we do the things that are required of us, and we don't really think about the people in the, at, at the, I was going to say bilo, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be right, would it? We don't think about the people at, you know, Walmart or wherever you go, Harris Teeter or Publix. We don't think about them, and we definitely do not have a burden. We don't like, we don't ache to think that they, they might die in their sin and go to hell. We, we just don't, I'm just being honest now. Can we just be honest here? It that doesn't bother us like it should. It should bother us, but it doesn't. 
But that has no bearing upon what this says. We engage in the Great Commission not because we feel it, but because the Lord said to do it. Now, the Lord knows they need it, and He aches for them, and so He tells us to do it. But it's not dependent on whether we're into it or whether we feel like it or whether we're, we have a, a, an emotional you know, burst of desire to do it. No, 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 no. This is about doing the task God has given us to do. So I say all this not to chide you. I know many of you witness and you pass out gospel tracts. And I say, that's awesome. But for those of you that aren't, I want to encourage you. Ask God for the strength to engage in this work. Ask God for the strength to engage in this work. This is not about missions across the ocean. This is about our job here at Choice Hills Baptist Church. You know, we think of COVID. What has COVID done? COVID hurt a lot of churches, right? Hurt a lot of churches' uh, evangelism, right? For a long time, people just, you know, people were just afraid, you know. It was easy to point them out because they always had the mask on. But people were afraid. And so, you know, we didn't, you know, you felt kind of uneasy going to their door. People acted, you know, kind of acted bugged out and all that. Well, we're past all that. Our church should be actively engaged in sharing the gospel with people, right? Actively engaged in telling our neighbors, actively engaged in telling the people at the gas station or the people at the restaurant or the cashier at the grocery store, actively engaged in, in finding, somehow asking God for the courage to reach out to that relative, we should be engaged in the Great Commission. Every one of us, in some way, in some form, should be engaged in it. This is why we're here. This is our mission. Now, <clears throat> what we've done is we have printed these little cards right here. Uh, there are no gospel presentations on this card. The closest thing to it is a, on the back is a QR code, and that code goes to our church's website. And on our church's website, a person, if they were looking for it, could find a page that would give them the gospel, which is good. So I don't intend to use these cards in the place of gospel tracts because that's not... And we'll see later as we, as we study more on the Great Commission, we'll see that actually the church, the church is for the believers. And the concept that we pull people in, you know, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin, that's not intended to go out in the highways and hedges. is not intended to bring them into the church. The church is God's people. Even the very word church, church is the believers. Now, of course, visitors come in and we welcome them and we're happy they're here. But primarily, the church is for the believers. So this is not intended for, this is not necessarily for evangelism per se. What this is, is this says, it's a, it's a welcome card to give out to someone who might be maybe a believer, 
Or even an unbeliever who maybe is a place where they want to go to a church because they're, they exist, they're, they're around. And this just gives them an invitation to come to our church. It says, this Sunday our morning service starts at 11 a.m. and it tells them things about our church and they have the information on the QR code, our, our address and those kinds of things. So we have plenty of these. As I said, I don't intend for these to be used in place of gospel tracts or especially in place of speaking up about Jesus. That is the best. Telling someone with your own mouth about Jesus. That's the best thing. But I, I, we printed these in hopes that they would be useful to, to all of us to tell other people that, hey, they're... You know what? Believe it or not, in Greenville, South Carolina, there are people that are looking for a good church to go to. They're out there. And you know what? If those people, maybe they, you know, they go, going to church, maybe they're disillusioned, maybe got hurt, maybe, you know, maybe they just moved into town, whatever. If they come to, come to Choice Hills and they grow and get equipped, then they can also do the Great Commission with us. So we printed these in hopes that they would be a blessing to you. We have a lot more than this. We printed 500, so I only ask this. <laughs> I only ask this. You're welcome to take as many as you will use, but please don't take like this many and then put them in the dash of your car and then leave them there. <laughs> take as many as you'll use and there will be, there's plenty for you to use. This, as I said, is not intended to take the place of evangelism because it won't. It's just a tool, but... Maybe we could call it like a, a kind of a first, a first step to ramping that back up, right? To getting up back to, because my understanding was before COVID happened, there were, you know, a lot of people going out witnessing. And I mean, when Pastor Stewart told me that, I mean, I was, I was like thrilled. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I want, I want that again. And, and pray, really pray, because I want to do it the right way and, and at the right times and, and, you know, all those kinds of things. So pray about that. But... For now, you can take these and you can give them out to people that might be interested in looking for a church. So I'll have some of these on the table and some in the back. All right? So we'll leave it there and Lord willing, we'll pick up uh, on this subject um, maybe on Wednesday. Let's pray together.